Hey, welcome back to Producer Says What. Uh, so glad to have everyone back again. Uh, I sound tired because I am tired. It's late at night, but that's the only time I have to ever knock out a podcast anymore. Uh, this has been a crazy year, and I just wanted to catch up with people. There's so much news about uh, artists that have been working here this year and, and projects that have got completed, um, and I don't have all the information. Like, I really need to write that out in front of me because... I'll forget something and I'll feel terrible about it. But we've been busy this year, even with COVID in 2020. Um, you know, obviously we did have to uh, shut down uh, in-person sessions um, like every other business had to shut down between mid-March and the beginning of June. We did continue remote sessions during that time, uh, mixing and mastering. And that was, you know, uh, it was great that we were able to do any work at all. Um I'd say we got cut down to about a quarter of our normal work capacity during that time. Grateful for anything. Uh, but when we, as soon as, I mean, the minute we opened in June, I mean, first of all, the phone never stopped ringing uh, and emails never stopped coming and texts <laughs> trying to get in here during the shutdown because you people are crazy. Um, but we could not do that. But we, as soon as everything opened back up in, in June, um, this place was humming again. June was, was, was really busy. Um, and in general, I mean, considering we were shut down for two months, this year hasn't been you know, as bad as it could have been. Uh, we've been busy. Um, and I've done a ton of upgrades in the studio this year. Uh, it, it really, um, you know, I sort of went through, uh, <clears throat> an emotional roller coaster as to why I was doing a ton of upgrades, you know, in what really is a down year. Um, and I was always acutely aware that that didn't quite make sense. But I also, I mean, I think my first excuse was it was shopping therapy. And I think that was actually accurate. Um, but, but the other thing that happened for me uh, was it was a very personal thing, which was I can't remember who I was telling, but I was telling somebody about a particular piece of gear and saying how, yeah, this thing is amazing. You know, this will be absolutely cranking in 20 years from now and as the words left my lips i pictured me in 20 years and i realized i turned 50 this year and in 20 years uh, i'll be 70 and you know optimistically i'm still going to be working but a lot of people aren't doing this job in their 70s because you need your hearing and <laughs> um you know, it hit me like a ton of bricks. It really did. That, like, I think what it is is like I've spent most of my career building, 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 looking to the future, looking to tomorrow, thinking about the studio I wish I had, and uh, you know, it, it. I guess it just hit me like a ton of bricks. That hey, you know, I'm no longer on the upswing of my career. <laughs> you know that like I hit the top and went over, and you know, like it or not, and um, and and I think that realization sent me to uh, a place of you know what, I got to have the studio that I really want, and I got to have it right now, and. Um, you know, I've been incredibly uh, cautious with this studio because it's my second studio. I had one in New York in the 90s that I opened when I was 25, 26 years old. Um, 
And I learned a hard lesson with that studio that a very tiny little bit of debt can spiral out of control. And even though I was busy seven days a week in that studio, I never really got my hands around that debt and it, it, it overwhelmed me uh, and closed that studio eventually. So with this studio, I was very, very careful. And I don't mind admitting any of this because I think it'd be helpful to anybody considering starting out um, a studio uh, as a commercial venture. Um, with this studio, I was just like, I'm doing zero debt. I'm not going to let myself get fall into that trap again. And and I can't stress enough how it wasn't a tremendous amount. I didn't put the whole studio on a credit card. You know, I think I was about five grand on a credit card, which was five grand too much, you know. Um, and particularly with credit card interest rates, you know, a uh, young guy, I didn't really appreciate um, how fast that quicksand can sink. Um, but with this studio, I never allowed myself to go into debt for it. Um, and it's and we're coming up on 10 years. Um, we opened in January of 11, uh, and I'm very proud of that. And the studio has grown tremendously. But this, you know, the growth that's happened this year has really been off the charts because of that, you know, sense of my existential mortality. And, you know, um, so I, I made some big investments over the summer. I also, part of it was I also had, you know, I figured if business was slow, and that's a good time to, to do that kind of um, that kind of work. So over the summer, uh, I got a, a new desk for the main room for Studio A. Um, and that was uh, a long time coming. Uh, my old desk was beautiful. It was made for me by a friend. Um, and uh, but... I didn't know when I had that desk built, you know, um, how much uh, interference a desk can cause acoustically. Uh, and it was just physically too much, bleh, too much wood, you know, too much in the way. And I think it was interfering with the acoustics. And so I specifically went for a very short scale desk this time that would that would um, interfere in the least amount possible um, with the acoustics. And it's proven to work out exactly as planned. Uh, it's been a beautiful experience, and the monitoring has gotten much more accurate, um, you know, which is great. Um, and part of uh, being um, a shorter scale, like a not as deep desk, is it puts me closer to the speakers and that allows me to put the computer monitor, you know, uh, distinctly behind the speakers, which gets that acoustically out of the way. And, you know, so overall, uh, great, great experience. It worked out exactly as I hoped. Um, the rack space in the desk, the way it was laid out, uh, inspired me to... Uh, to <clears throat> to design the gear in a certain way. And so um, there was, a, you know, it was, it was expensive and painful, but, but um, I, I developed an idea uh, that the left side, there's three bays in the desk um, and each one is six spaces. Uh, not a lot of room, so to use it wisely. Um, 
Now, a 500 series rack, um, this is for the engineers uh, and producers out there. Um, uh, it, it's it's a basically, it's, it's a housing that can hold modular pieces of gear for those who are not gearheads. Um, and um, it's a standard that, that the entire industry uh, adheres, you know, builds to. Um, and so you can get lots of different kinds of gear to put into these racks. Um, but they, uh, a standard 500 series rack is three spaces. So I was able to put two in just the left side of the desk. And um, there's pictures on the website, but uh, basically the top side, the top rack is eight mic preamps, and I split that up uh, four API and four uh, vintage Neve. But I bought uh, the BAE brand. Um, they're uh, commonly thought of to actually make the best quality vintage Neve stuff out there. Um, they inherited. Rupert Neve's blueprints when he left his company, when he left the original Neve company. Um, and uh, it, that's a long t tale. Uh, there's still a Neve company, AMS Neve, um, making essentially the same gear, but uh, in England and BAE is in California. But uh, in general, the BAE stuff is considered uh, higher quality or better. I don't. I'm not here to argue it. I haven't A-B'd at all. I just bought the BAE stuff. Um, now, beneath the eight mic preamps, I, I got uh, eight equalizers um, and some of the stuff I had before. Um, but say, And I got the exact same configuration in terms of four API and four, Neve, four vintage Neve. Um, and a lot of this was serendipity and timing um, that BAE had released exactly the equalizer that I wanted uh, in this format only last year. Uh, it was a 2019 release. Um, and uh, I, I'm just lucky. And <laughs> so I got four of those. And for the API, I split it. But I already had two of their um, graphic equalizers, the, uh, you know, the sliders. And, and then I got two of their parametrics, the 550As. Um, and the, the net result is it's like a little analog mixing desk, like an eight channel analog mixing desk. It's got the eight mic pre's and the eight EQ's and that's fun. And, and they're really, uh, they're super high quality. Um, you know, the APIs are the 512 C's. Um, and with the Neves, it's even more fun because you know, the, the BAEs, because, uh, it's, it's both the mic pre and the EQ's from the same series. So um, I've been really enjoying that. Um, it's been great both for recording and for mixing. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of the other gear... Uh, oh, so actually there was one other really significant get, which was we added um, a Hazelrig VLC-1. Uh, Hazelrig Industries uh, is George and Joff Hazelrig. Uh, those guys are amazing. They're amazing musicians. They're also amazing gear builders. And um, yeah, a lot of people know that we have. Uh, I've I've bought three microphones made by Joff Hazelrig um, that are uh, they're basically his interpretation of a classic AKG C12 tube microphone. Uh, and I've used 
clones of that mic, even made by AKG, and his are just so far and above any other clone that I've used. I have not used an actual vintage C12, so I can't compare it to that, but his are awfully good. Um, and uh, it's been amazing for the studio having those mics. Uh, I use them, anyone who's been recording here knows I use them on everything. <laughs> I use, you know, male vocals, female vocals, acoustic guitar, piano, drum overheads, you name it, violin, you know, they, they just sound incredible on everything. So I've been loving, loving having those mics. And having three of them is great because I can do drum overheads and still have a vocal, or I can do, um, you know, two mics on a guitar and a vocal or a piano vocal. And I've done all of that. And, and, um, so that's, that's, it's awesome having three of those things. Um, I also got the VLC one, which I'm actually doing this voiceover through right now. And what George and Joff for, uh, for several years worked with, um, Doug Fern from DW Fern, uh, building, uh, Fern, DW Fern Equipment. Um, I don't know, for Doug, with Doug. I don't know what the arrangement was. But anyway, um, you know, if you can look on some older Fern gear and if you look at, you know, on the back panel, uh, it's etched, like, who made it? And, you know, if you see a GH, it's it's either George or Jeff Hazelrick. Um, and they ended up... Uh, Doug retired basically and bowed out of manufacturing and they took over that end of dw fern so all dw fern gear is being made by those guys now and here's the kicker in doylestown in our town um uh, which is <laughs> so lucky and so fun and it's so great to know these guys because you know their advice and their knowledge and and having them right there is just such an incredible uh, resource and they're just really nice guys um uh, you know and when i when i bought uh a vt2 and i bought a, a vt7 uh these are fern gear uh mic breeze and a compressor you know they drove it over and we put it in the rack together <laughs> um so that's really cool so uh so yeah so we just bought a third piece of gear uh rack gear from them the vlc one and this is unique in that um this was an idea I don't know if George or Jeff had this idea or they both did, um, but they basically took a DW Fern mic pre, they put it in a smaller enclosure. Um, it's like a two space where the other the Fern stuff is three space. Um, but they added so much stuff. Uh, they added uh, an EQ for starters. Um, so there's uh, it's it's a Pultec style passive tube EQ. Uh, they're just high and low, but there's both boost and cut for high and low and there's frequency switches for both of them and i remember when i got it my first question was what are the frequencies and then <laughs> and i was asking I, I probably did actually email joff and say what are the frequencies and i didn't hear back from him and then like i went looking through uh youtube videos and i found like this video of joff being interviewed at an AES, I think it was in 2016, maybe it was, or when they rolled out this piece, and somebody asked him, you know, uh, what are the frequencies on the EQ? And he said, you know, we enjoy not telling people because uh, we want you to use your ears. And, and then he actually said, to be honest, I don't think we even know, uh, which I think is really funny. Um, and I think it just speaks to 
you know, the philosophy behind the gear, which is they care more, you know, what matters is what it sounds like. And um, so it, it's fun uh, uh, flipping those switches with any, with every time I'm using it and seeing what actually sounds best on the source. Um, but um, so anyway, the VLC one has a mic input uh, with the EQ. Uh, it also has uh, an instrument input on the front, uh, making this the best DI, I think, on the planet. Um, you know, with tube um, input and the, and the EQ, um, it's just unbelievable. So it's been every single bass track I've recorded since I got this thing is we've taken a DI through this unit. Um, and then on the back, not only does it have a mic input, but it has a line input. So I'm using the equalizer and mixing as well. And let me tell you, um, that EQ sounds so incredibly sweet on vocals. And um, it's like any other tube circuit that like, you know, when a vocal really pushes, it just creates more uh, even harmonics and they're just, and it's just gets sweeter and, and it, it's an incredible sound. Um, so I am loving this piece. It's, it's, you know, they say it's like an audio Swiss army knife and it is. And I, I put it in an external rack uh, so that it can easily be, um, shuttled from the control room to the live room for base DI. And here's the really nice part, too. This unit can go into our sessions in our Studio B, uh, which is an enormous upgrade for that room. Um, you know, that room has uh, an Apollo uh, Quad X or 4X, uh, which is a great interface. It's, you know, it's very high quality. And, it, and we have tons and tons of the Unison Mic Pre um, software that works with the hardware. It's great stuff, but this is another level altogether. Um, so and now you can have a Fern Mic Pre with Fern EQ in our Studio B, which is fantastic. Um, and uh, that's definitely an opportunity I hope more people will take advantage of. Um, yeah, because it's just, I don't think there's a studio anywhere. Um, I, w you know, our rates are lower for Studio B, of course, um, but where you can get that kind of quality um, uh, for, for that rate. Um, so at any rate, um, at any rate, uh, we got that unit. That's fantastic. That's been a huge upgrade. And it's the same thing as the microphones. Uh, we now have, with the VT2, we now have three DW Fern mic preamps um, to match the three mics. <laughs> so again, if we're doing a guitar vocal, we can have left and right you know, spaced mics on a guitar and a vocal mic. Piano vocal, you know, uh, three is the magic number. And we can... We can do all of them with uh, Fern mics and Fern or Hasselrig mics and and Fern mic, preamp, uh, mic preamps. So that's amazing. Uh, really big upgrade. And, um, you know, uh, uh, as I mentioned, we also added recently the Fatso. So that's that's been great, too. Uh, with the VT7, uh, I was looking for something the opposite. Like the VT7 is very warm and big and cinematic and... and and it makes things generally sound more dimensional, and and that and and that's awesome. That's great. But I, I needed, I wanted uh, like a smack kind of um, compressor. And the first thought was uh, get an SSL compressor. And 
you know, I, I may still do that because the Fatso does a lot of different things. Um, but the Fatso can cover that ground as well as do, you know, uh, the kind of crush compression that maybe, that, you know, is common on drum room mics that you would normally do with an 1176. And in fact, it even has a mode called 11 that's designed to emulate that mode on an 1176. So, um, you know, the Fatso is just so incredibly versatile that um, that seemed like the, the best move for right now. And, uh, you know, uh, in mixing Solo's uh, EP, uh, I have been using both the Fatso and the VT7 in series on the mix bus and just each doing what they do well, and the results have been spectacular. Uh, so that's been fun. Um, and I guess there was one thing I wanted to cover uh, in in the podcast, which is that uh, with all of this new equipment and this new setup, um, we also, oh, I didn't mention, we also got all new patch base and all new wiring, all new cable um, for under the desk and the patch base. Uh, that all came from Redco, top of the line professional uh, stuff, and I'm very happy to have all that. Um, you know, that was a big upgrade too. Um, but uh, at any rate, what I wanted to get to was I've been I've been starting a new way of mixing because I've I've wanted to use as much of the analog equipment as possible. We have tons and tons and tons of plugins here. I think at this point it's like eighty five different uh, Universal Audio plugins, and just I mean it goes on. It's so insanely ridiculous. There's too much, you know. I've I've got the entire plugin alliance bundle, which is gigantic, you know, a hundred different plugins. Um, the sound toys bundle, Fab Filter, you know, Lexicon, you name it. It just goes on and on, and um, and really, at the end of the day, the very best plugins, and I do have, I think, the best plugins are still not what the analog gear is in terms of sound quality. And, um, you know, the, the big impediment with the analog gear has always been, um, well, price. <laughs> but, and I can't do anything about that except spend tons of money. But, um, but it's been recall, you know, so that when somebody does a mix... Um, you know, having to write down all the settings and the time it takes to get it all back. Uh, and it makes it in difficult to impossible to jump between different mixes quickly. Um, and I've been, so I've been really trying to figure out a solution to that issue. And what I've been doing is um, I've been in mixing, what I've been doing is maxing out the analog equipment that I have, and, you know, maybe it'd uh, get me through the drums and maybe the bass, and then committing those things to new tracks. And, and you know, uh, I mean, Pro Tools has this, and but Nuendo is what I use mostly, um, has a single command where I can just, uh, I can select all the tracks that I want to have committed uh, or rendered in place, 
And if, you know, since all of the analog gear is being used as plugins, you know, as external plugins on the channels, Nuendo will just render those analog, you know, the plugins, the analog gear. And what it will do is create a new track, you know, uh, with the same name plus, you know, whatever. Like, uh, you can have it add an extra piece to the name to indicate that it's been processed. And then it automatically mutes, it doesn't delete it, but it will mute the original track. And it's very cool because um, basically I can select eight tracks, ten tracks, and just hit render and walk away. And it does have to do it all in real time, uh, which is a drag. But um, you know, when it's all done, all of the um, unrendered tracks are grayed out. And I can just select them and drag them into a disabled folder. And I still have them if we have to go back. But, um, but then I have all the processing captured to brand new tracks. It's not a frozen track. I can still edit it. I, if, I, if it needs additional processing, I can still do that. Um, but I have the benefit of all the analog processing. And, um, you know, not to geek out too much on it, but it really makes a huge difference. And, you know, I mean, if at the end of the day I can use that analog gear on every single track, then there isn't a, t a huge functional difference between my eight equal, you know, EQs or nine with the VLC one and, you know, a 48 channel console. You know, if I've used EQ on 48 tracks at the end of the day anyway, then, um, then you know, that's, it ends up sonically being the same thing. Um, so uh, that's basically the deal. Now, uh, does it take up a lot of time to do the rendering? Yeah, it does. And so I'm still working on that. And the real answer is buy more analog gear. <laughs> like get to the point where I can do the whole mix and then, you know, when it's, when it's done, hit render and go home for the night. Um, that's going to be the ultimate solution, I think. But, um, but it's still, um, so it's more time invested up front and I've been, you know, adjusting billing for that and, do, uh, with the clients that are working, the artists that are working right now. Um, but it's the quality is, is such a huge leap, uh, up that I think this is, you know, this is definitely the path, uh, that I need to go anyway. Um, and, you know, I'm also doing processing while I'm recording, so a lot of it doesn't need that much in mixing either. Um, so it's, um, you know, it's been working out. The bottom line is, like, I'm getting results that are fantastic, that I'm really pleased about. Um, and it also frees up a lot of uh, DSP on the computer uh, that I can throw at, you know, really... Uh, hungry uh, reverb and delay plugins and things like that. And um, like we just added the Capital Studios um, plugin from Universal Audio, which is a known DSP hog. Doesn't matter, you know, uh, for us, we have the DSP. I can run it, it's fine. Um, just used it on a mix for Stephanie Walton. It was fantastic. Um, so uh, yeah, that's, uh, so that's a positive development with that. Um, and, you know, it may breathe an extra year of life into the computer we're using. 
because it's, you know, we're using way less uh, DSP now um, and getting a much better sound. So anyway, uh, so that's kind of what's something that's been going on here. And I, I really think it's a big positive development. Um, and it opens up a lot of flexibility, you know, like uh, there's tracks where I'm like, you know, it would sound awesome on this, the VT7. So, I'll, but I don't have to worry about not having it on the mix bus. I can, I can use it on the guitars and and then use it again on, you know, something else. And uh, you know, it's it's really nice to have that flexibility. Like if I want to have, um, you know, 560 EQs on every drum track, I can do that. So um, that's been a lot of fun. Anyway, um, okay, I, this has been uh, a long ramble, but that's what a podcast is, I guess. Um, I hope it's been interesting for somebody. And uh, again, it's been an incredible year. Um, you know, uh, there's, there's been growth. There's, you know, we, we've upgraded gear. We've had new artists coming in. Brian's doing work. Um, it's just been great. Uh, you know, as hard as this year has been, um, you know, uh, I think there's just been nothing but good things going on here. And I'm really looking forward to, uh, to, to the next year to, you know, and obviously we're all looking forward to things getting back to normal, but, um, you know, I feel like I've been able to capitalize on, on the time to not only upgrade the gear, but upgrade the processes and, and, and really, uh, upgrade the overall quality of the output of the studio, and that's that's awesome. So um, so we're in a great place, and happy about that. So uh, that's it. Uh, if I don't manage to get another podcast out uh, before the holidays, uh, happy holidays to everybody. Um, I know Hanukkah is coming up really fast, and and then you know we all know when Christmas is, um, and uh, so enjoy it, everybody, and. And happy, happy New Year. My God, happy New Year. I so hope uh, 2021 is better than 2020 in every other respect. Um, and uh, thanks uh, is never enough. And I can't even, I can't, I don't have words for my gratitude for all the wonderful people that have kept coming here this year and and kept, uh, kept me in business and, um, and just, you know, kept, kept the flame alight in, in a hard year. Um, you're beautiful. I love you. And, uh, oh, and you know what? Sp special, special shout out. Um, you know, one of my most cherished people that come here um, is Evo Espani. And he has, f he fell very ill this year, not COVID. Uh, it was something else, but... Um, you know he's been fighting it and he's been doing he's been doing well um but he's it's he's had a really hard year and he had to stop working on music and i know that was very tough for him cuz he you know he loves making music and i love making it with him and um and a lot of players that that work here are used to working with him too and evo if you're hearing this we miss you and i can't wait to get back to work with you and i'm so glad that uh, in general, you know, your recovery has been going well. He's had a hard fight this year. Uh, okay, that's it. H again, happy holidays. Love you guys. Peace. Speak to you soon. Take care.